Hey, everybody. This is the Conquering Columbus podcast, and I am Mike, one of your co-hosts. Hope you are all having a great day, whatever day you're listening to this on. And uh, today on the show, we've got Lauren Lures joining us, and Lauren is the president and COO of Hometown Ticketing. And Hometown Ticketing is actually one of the fastest growing digital ticketing providers in the K-12 industry, and they're helping a lot of schools uh, get their ticketing online so they don't have to have hand-to-hand contact or handout you know, paper tickets, collect cash, that sort of thing. So it's really exciting stuff. It's a company that's helping a lot of schools respond to everything we're going through today with reopening. And uh, I think you'll learn a lot from Lauren. She's got a lot of experience in the industry and uh, she's done quite a few different things. So uh, we really enjoyed the chance to get to talk with Lauren and we hope you enjoy listening. So as always, hope you enjoy this podcast and we hope you learn a lot. This is Conquering Columbus. Falling through the air, and I fell 450 feet through the air before I slammed into the mountain the first time. Hey there, Conquerors. Today on the show, we have Cameron Mitchell of Cameron Mitchell Restaurants. One of our goals is to be better today than we were yesterday and better tomorrow than we are today, and that goal stays the same 24-7, 365. Jenny Brittenbauer of Jenny's Splendid Ice Creams. I'm truly never comfortable. When I'm comfortable, I'm bored. I just have to keep going. Only when you're a little bit scared are you in a place where you're about to learn something. We're explorers, and explorers are making discoveries because they are going places people haven't before. Greg Oden. Push yourself. You know, we hear about a lot of people who in the times that they've struggled and pushed themselves the most is when they figured out the most about themselves. Donato's Jane Abel. We have a umbrella idea of agape capitalism, which is about doing business and doing it with love and giving back to the community. And I believe in our product, but more importantly, I believe in our people. The Ohio State University president, Dr. Michael Drake. When you really take yourself to your limit and then push yourself to do your very best. Pelotonia CEO, Doug Ullman. There's this genuine pride for things that were born and raised in Columbus. And that's awesome. At the same time, there's this beautiful Midwest humility. People don't necessarily care about who gets credit. White Castle CEO, Lisa Ingram. As human beings, I think we really like stability and doing things the same, but everybody knows you don't really grow. And so the other great thing about human beings is we want to learn new things. Urban Meyer. There's one guarantee in this world, and that's hard work will be rewarded. And hard work, you have to embrace discomfort. I love how you said that, live uncomfortably. This is Conquering Columbus. Hey there, Conquerors. Welcome to the Conquering Columbus podcast. I'm Mike, there's Josh, and we've got today on the show joining us is Lauren Lures, and Lauren is the president and COO of Hometown Ticketing. Hometown Ticketing is one of the fastest growing digital ticketing providers in the K-12 industry, serving schools, districts, conferences, and state associations at no cost. Uh, Lauren has a lot of experience in the K-12 athletics and event space, and we're really excited to have her here on the show today to learn more about her story and hometown ticketing. Welcome to Conquering Columbus, Lauren. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I really appreciate you stopping by. And uh, typically kind of one of the first places we want to start is just learn a little more about your background. So, you know, where'd you grow up? Uh, Born in Pittsburgh, uh, grew up in Hudson, Ohio, Go Explorers, (laughs) Uh, was in uh, Cleveland, for most of my professional career up until now, but then uh, went to college at Radford University back in uh, Virginia, and then spent six years in Chicago right before moving to Columbus. So a little bit of everywhere, but definitely sports and sports teams were a part of this, and you know Cleveland sports are, are definitely a part of my life. So, so Pittsburgh to Hudson to Cleveland to Virginia to Chicago. So 
What sparked, what, what does the timeline look like as that evolves and what sparked all those moves? First and foremost, an avid equestrian. And so uh, I grew up riding horses and traveling and showing across the country uh, while living in Hudson, Ohio, and uh, really wanted to get as far away as my par- from my parents as possible. So Radford University was like seven or eight hours away. So it was in the middle of the Appalachian Mountains in horse country and um, really wanted to be a professional horseback rider, go into the Olympics, um, really thought that that was my career and uh, wanted to be a part of it. So wanted to be down in Virginia. And junior year, uh, definitely decided that was not the way to go. Uh, kept crashing, falling off, things like that. So wanted to you know, really find what part of events I loved. At that time, I was the secretary of our equestrian team. So I was in charge of like putting on the horse shows and selling sponsorships. And I literally like went bar to bar getting coupons and and doing sponsorships and like painted the jumps with our like local bar name and like totally fell in love with it. So I got an internship with our basketball team, the Radford Highlanders. You've seen them lose in the first round of the NCAA tournament a couple of times over the last couple of years. And uh, that's where I fell in love with all sports, um, really loved the atmosphere, loved everything outside the game, uh, putting promotions together, um, really found my niche um, in college. Came back because I ran out of money and had to move home. And then and that's when I started my career outside of Cleveland. So is, is Cleveland like horse country? Because I feel like I know several people who have connection to horses that are from the Cleveland area. Yeah, it's you know, there's a, there's a lot of competitive, you know, equestrian sports in Cleveland. There's a good racetrack there. Um, and you know, there's Chagrin Falls and, uh, kind of the South, um, you know, between Cleveland and Akron, um, definitely beautiful country and, uh, lots of very kind of wealthy equestrian horse hunter jumper folks, um, uh, around that area. Our first sponsor is Waveform Music Group. Andy and Carlin have been working with us to take the production of Conquering Columbus to the next level, and Josh and I cannot be happier with the results. Outside of podcast production, Andy and Carlin are experts in songwriting, music production, and sonic branding for companies of all sizes. And to learn more about them, head to their website, createwaveforms.com. That is createwaveforms.com, and tell them Conquering Columbus sent you. So, so you make it back to Cleveland to start your career. What does that look like? Where do you start at? And, you know, what roles and responsibilities are you taking on early on? I actually, uh, getting out of my, I had my bachelor's in marketing with a minor of sports marketing. And so I went back to Ohio and really just follow, wanted to follow in the sports you know, footsteps of Mark McCormick and IMG and like, you know, kind of met some family friends that were a part of the IMG world. Um, you know, and a lot of people don't appreciate that, you know, IMG, like a lot of things that went to New York was founded in Cleveland. And so we, um, I met a lot of people that used to work at IMG and starting their own agencies. And so I was working as a account manager, helping uh, municipal entities to um, offset construction costs by selling naming rights and premium seating. So I uh, helped name the health line in Cleveland and Interest Bank Arena in Wichita, Kansas, um, uh, prior to getting into the high school space. So that part really help me realize how to break down elements, really work with uh, government entities, really appreciate the difference between, you know, individuals that work in the corporate space and individuals that work in the public space, uh, became kind of a sponsorship translator uh, between the two. And, uh, you know, kind of a really rewarding uh, spot for me to to end up between those two, uh, being a liaison between the two industries. 
So, so let me see if I got that one right. I, I'm super tired today. I fell asleep literally at the dentist while they're cleaning my teeth. I don't even know if that was humanly possible. And the, I woke up and the wait, lady wait. said, the lady said, did you just fall asleep? I said, I am so sorry. That's the best way to be at the dentist. But how, could you, <laughs> wait, but wait, how could you possibly fall asleep at the dentist? Dude, I have no, I'm just Do you not you have know, like sensitive teeth? You must uh, I, have, I have very sensitive teeth, oh but on, on the, today I'm just so tired. So, but anyways, I want to break it down. I wanted to preface with that because my question might be dumb and I don't, I want to make sure that people don't think that. I'll I'm, let you know if, it, you know, if it's dumb, so, you know, I'll make sure to let you know. <laughs> so you were marketing sections of seats that were going into these new stadiums as a way to offset construction costs. And then basically organizations will buy the naming rights for those sections of seats. Is that right? Correct. Yeah. It's, um, it, it was a kind of the, the, the prime of naming rights sales. And so, you know, when you're buying, you know, building a new arena, you're, you're trying to build a new park, you're trying to, you know, get a levy pass to get, um, you know, a pathway done, um, doing naming rights to it, you, you know, is, is a perfect way to offset those costs with the advertising dollars that that entity would pay for it. So, but you need to know what, how, what to pay for, you know, what elements, if they get their uh, name on a sign, you know, every, 20 feet. If they get one big sign, you know, in the front, like first energy stadium, you know, they have one big sign in the front and then, you know, Cleveland clinic has, uh, one of the, the gates into the stadium. So there's, there's a lot of, you know, just different, you know, ways to do it. And we, we all know that things aren't worth any more than somebody will pay for them. So the more elements you include, the more you can charge for them, things like that. So that's kind of the, the down and dirty on the sponsorships, uh, side of things. I, I sense a rabbit hole, but I'm, <laughs> trying really hard, not, um, but I'm going to have to ask the question. So what's the most valuable seating? Not the most valuable spot, because obviously I bet you it's the, you know, the, the title of the stadium is going to be the most valuable spot to buy. But in terms of like seating areas, is there a difference if I'm like, okay, lower bowl is more expensive, upper bowl is this much, or is it kind of generally just number of seats? Well, I mean, I'm going to have to say on the ticket is the most expensive on the because, ticket. because that's where I live on the ticket. So, <laughs> um, you know, that that's a guaranteed impression. You're walking into the stadium, you have to open it. You know exactly when you're, you're redeeming that ticket. You got that coupon right there and you're like, oh, I guess I want my, my, my pizza and it's right staring me in the face. I might as well just go to the concession stand and get a pizza. So this is, this is where the idea for hometown ticketing came from. Allegedly. Yes. Um, you know, professional sports did a great job of putting together, you know, changing from paper tickets to um, digital tickets. You know, we remember the times like when you bought concert tickets and you would go to like uh, J.C. Penney's and wait in line and then you got like to print three and you would try to go to a Pearl Jam concert and it would like only print four because it sold out. Like that was just always we all have headaches with that. And so back in like 2010, there was a lot of, you know, StubHub and SeatGeek and, um, you know, Ticketmaster was, was doing some some great things. And then, but in Cleveland and other places, there's flash seats and, you know, others that um, really, you know, kind of had it in the palm of your hand. You didn't have to remember your paper ticket. You, you had your tickets on your phone or on your ID uh, as you walk in. And so they've done a really great job of making sure that there are ways to you know, market to fans, be able to measure um, how many fans are going into your stadium, what capacity is going to be, and then also how to upsell the, the sponsor or the, the attendee going into the next venue. So, and you've seen this, you get marketed this all the time. If you go into a basketball game, you might get something from uh, the company that you buy a ticket from to go to another basketball game. If you pay cash, nobody knows who you are. And that's one of the major issues that a lot of the high school and community events are running into because they have no idea who their fans are. 
So you are you're working in Cleveland area, and then how do things jump from there? And then maybe we can we can touch at each position as it evolved at a high level, and then we can jump into the actual growth and development from ideation to creation of hometown ticketing. For me, um, I, I work ver- various numbers of positions in Cleveland. Um, you know, but but as a woman in sports, I found it difficult to kind of break through the proverbial glass ceiling in Cleveland. So after eight years, I dropped out and uh, moved to Chicago. I just you know dropped everything and, and felt kind of followed in a, a couple of mentors' footsteps to go to Chicago. And I knew that there was going to be a chance to get more opportunities I was seeking as becoming an executive, um, kind of jumping over that glass ceiling. And, you know, I love Chicago. It, it is a great pers- you know, place for driven Midwesterners to get the opportunities um, they might not get anywhere else in the Midwest. So while in Chicago, I was consulting. Uh, I did some work with Nike. I did some work with a company called Smith Buckland, who did uh, sponsorship and um, event planning for uh, professional organizations. And then uh, just became a consultant and really fell in love with the sports scene in Chicago. Just like the, you, you can see how you know, everyone loves the Blackhawks. Everybody loves the Cubs except for the White Sox, you know, all those kind of just that camaraderie that Chicago has. The professional side of business has that too. And I really met some amazing women throughout Chicago that taught me that it was okay to be a woman in sports and to bring my strengths as a woman instead of trying to be one of the guys. You know, for the my beginning part of my career, you know, I kept you know waking up, watching Sports Center, Mike and Mike, and like remembering four key stats in order to be a part of a conversation. You know, I learned how to drink scotch so that I can you know be a part of the you know continue the conversations. And in Chicago, it's just a different story. You know, you, they they have so many powerful women there, and I was a part of a company uh, organization called Women in Sports and Events, uh, Wise. And my mentors there, head of BMO Harris Bank, um, head of sponsorships for the White Sox, they're all just really, really great mentors, supporters. And that's when I really came into my own as wanting to be an executive and be kind of a disruptor in this industry um, as a woman executive, as well as just in in the sports and in the amateur sports athletic space as well. And what did some of your consulting engagements look like? I did a lot of kind of sponsorship connecting, um, corporate partnerships, finding if, if it's a property that was looking for sponsorships, you know, and I'd you know, kind of be a, a sales, outside salesperson for them. But then if there was a company that wanted to do like a national sampling campaign, you know, Sunny Delight was a perfect example. We did a hundred different events in four weeks uh, where they were trying to sample the new Sunny Delight and because it doesn't have like 17 million grams of sugar in it anymore. And so they wanted to support high school sports and have sampling campaigns. So I would sell that into the schools, activate it for them, and uh, you know, they would pay me to manage a campaign for them. And then from from consulting, is that when you jumped into creating hometown ticketing? So I was consulting got brought me to the founders of hometown ticketing. Okay. And so I actually didn't um, found the software. When I moved back to Columbus, um, you know, a lot of different of my consulting clients brought me back to Ohio. And I met Nate Nail and Wes Haynes, who are the founders of Hometown Ticketing, a couple years ago. And uh, they just, you know, were, were really, you know, they were kind of more into the event space. 
but then they also kind of found this niche. Pickerington is our is hometown ticketing's first school district, and they really helped put together hometown ticketing as a solution for the high school space. And when, you know, I, I kind of knew of them and saw them and kind of tracked them in their space. And then last October, when there was an opportunity for me to be a part of the team, I really wanted to use my you know, knowledge of the industry, my strategic planning ability, as well as my just kind of knowledge of how and what the need was across the board, just seeing what not to do for 10 years. So it was just kind of a match made in heaven when uh, uh, Nate and and I started talking about how we could grow this thing and and provide a solution for this industry. What were some of the things that drew you to the hometown solution, right? Because I'm guessing that there are multiple providers out there, you know, and and as you're considering that opportunity, what were some of the things that that stood out to you? To answer that, I want to, I'll answer kind of the challenges of the K-12 space, First, because the biggest thing that drew me to hometown ticketing was the fact that they are the only solution that matches that high school K-12, D2, D3 college space. At the professional level, you've got your ticket masters, you've got your stub hubs, you've got your seat geeks. At the community level, you know, you've got your punch bowls, you've got your event brights. Um, and so there was not really a niche. Everyone else was trying to make their solution that they built for a different space work for the high school space. And Hometown spent three years building a solution for that K-12 collegiate space. And, and that's what really drew me into it because when you're trying to really have a product that disrupts an industry, you need the product, you need the people, but then you need the timing. And right now is, is the time that all of those three, three things came together. You know, we found each other, the product, they spent a long time and, and lots of energy bootstrapping the product. And now we have the people, you know, we, we definitely have just a driven staff that is just there to, to help elevate the high school space. And, you know, I'm really excited to, to see what we have for the future and, and solve these problems for the, the K-12 space. Our next sponsor is FMX. FMX is a computerized maintenance management system that helps organizations accelerate their operational success. And FMX enables you to streamline processes, increase asset productivity, and turn actionable insights into meaningful results. If you'd like to learn more, check them out at their website, gofmx.com. That's G-O-F-M-X.com. The Burlett Family Foundation. The Burlett Family Foundation is a local nonprofit that's committed to helping their partners build upon their strengths. They turn visions of what if into sustainable resources for the community. So to understand the market and the, the challenges being solved and the value being provided. So we have we have an event going on at a K-12 or a D2 or D3 school that's not at the scale that would call for a ticket master. And they're at too large of a scale or a different type of event that would call for a solution like Eventbrite. So... They're essentially just marketing it through their social media channels, their websites, maybe through radio, some type of paid advertising, and then either taking cash or selling paper tickets, and then people come to the event. There is no digital solution. 
up until hometown comes around. Is that correct? Correct. And and the challenges the schools face in that regard are operationally, financially, and with communications. You know, if you think about when you were in high school, you, you know, didn't have smartphones at all. You would drive past the billboard of the high school or hear it on the, the morning announcements. Oh, you know, Friday night we're, we're playing Pickerington. We got it, you know, it's, it's, blue night, you know, we're ready to go. And you, you know, mark it in your calendar and tell your mom and, you know, she gives you your $20 and you go to the game. Well, millennial moms and Gen Z kids don't work that way. And so you have to be communicating with them on their phones and, and know who, what, who they are and what their buying habits are. And so, you know, on a communication front, but having that data of just who's going to your events, who's going to multiple events, how big is their family, when do they buy tickets, you know, if they like lacrosse and soccer, you know, would they like baseball? Those, all of the, that kind of information is uh, information that we gather for our clients. And it's something that's just a game changer because every other year before this, they are just saying cash payer number one, cash payer number two, I have no idea what other events you like. The other uh, solution that we provide that level is the financial transparency. You know, we are having a lot of issues right now with stealing money off the top of the cash box and, you know, just attrition because you might have decided to go to the game, but then there's something else that comes out. And so they're losing out on that revenue. Um, and then also on the reporting side, you know, if there's a large tournament that's happening at 10 different venues and the tournament manager has to pay people to collect that, those cash boxes, they might not see the cash or the check or the deposit um, for another two months after the event. And so there's a lot of you know, problems with cash flow management. There's a lot of problems with just reporting up to the, the board, uh, a lot of problems on, on just how many people are attending the games. And you can imagine, especially in the landscape we're in right now, that all of that information is really, really valuable. Um, which leads me to the, the third one is, is operations. You know, you, you don't know how many people are showing up to your venue at, on a Friday night, which right now, you have to know how many people are going to be because your capacity is only going to be you know twenty five or thirty percent right now in the in the landscape that we're in, and then also knowing what your lines are. You, if you have a thousand people that are waiting in line to buy something cash, it's really going to hinder your operations to know how you get people in and out of the the stadium. But if you are able to make sure that they have their ticket beforehand, then they can just go right in. You know, we have a quick scan feature that uh, this fall we did three thousand tickets in eight minutes. So um, it's just kind of that efficiency of operations that uh, really helps your athletic director on Friday night. And you guys provide this to schools at no cost to the school, correct? Correct. We so have. yeah, the, the the logical question after that is, okay, so where's the uh, where's <laughs> the just, money come in here? It's just a donation. Um, we. Uh, <laughs> So our model is very similar to a lot of others' models. So um, we charge $1 per ticket per transaction. Um, so it's a convenience fee, just like you've seen on your Fandango, right on your Instacart, you know, whatever kind of digital transaction. It's kind of the business model that everybody's going with now. We found that the $1 fee is something that, you know, is very transparent, is very kind of easy to swallow on a $7 ticket, um, $9 ticket. It's a 10, you're going to take a $10 bill with you anyway. So, you know, that kind of convenience to buy your ticket on Wednesday and not have to drive to the school, things like that. Um, and then also we're working on our sponsorship model as well. 
Um, so like I, I mentioned before, we do have a very highly sought after inventory of uh, three ad spaces on our digital tickets and on our printed tickets. And so th- there's lots of ways to, you know, sell sponsorships. If it's a national partner, if it's a regional one, you know, someone that wants to support the school, we are continuing to expand that model where we're going to share 50% of net revenue back to the schools as well. Um, so it's a great money maker for us as well as the schools. So that $1 charge is going to the attendee that's buying the ticket? Yep. Gotcha. Charge to the consumer. That's how we can um, offset to not charge the school anything to sign up. I think a $1 convenience fee is a lot better than some of the things I've seen out there. I mean, you buy tickets to like a concert or something, it's like 20, 30% convenience fee. I'm like, wait, where are we going with this? But yep. uh, sorry, little sidetrack there. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't like that either. So right, I don't think <laughs> we'll stick to a dollar. That, <laughs> yeah, dollar is good. Yeah. Hey there, Conquerors. We want to take a quick moment to talk about one of our sponsors, Studio 301. Kyle and his team have helped us redesign our website, taking the podcast in a new direction that we truly love. And we have some incredible guests here on the show. And Studio 301 has given us a website that reflects the caliber of the people that join us. And the Studio 301 team can help you with everything from brand strategy and redesigns to market research, videography, social media overhauls, and a whole lot more. You can go check them out at studio301.org. That's studio301.org. Where are you guys at from a company standpoint? Like, what do things look like today? And how has COVID affected you? Uh, So just to give you kind of a a picture of our growth, uh, I joined Hometown in October of 2019. And last year, we had three state associations, um, just like the OHSA um, is a partner of ours, um, and 72 schools on our platform. Um, Currently, we have uh, 2,600 schools and uh, fifth, we're going to have 15 state associations uh, by the fall. We have 15 college conferences um, and 12 uh, colleges um, looking uh, to really kind of expand into that D2, D3 college space because of the fact that it's, it works a lot more like a big high school uh, than your D1 schools. Proud to have Mount Union, John Carroll, St. John's University in Minnesota, um, as some of those schools that that are, are really, you know, John Carroll is going completely digital this year. They're kind of you know, paving the way there, um, so that we don't have to worry about cash transactions, things like that, in COVID. So, to get to your other question with COVID, it's it's interesting because all the tools that we built to make things more financial, uh, fin- financially transparent, make operations easier, um, being able to communicate with your fans. It was more so on a, you know, marketing sponsorship, uh, you know, operational side, but it also are, are excellent tools when it comes to the health and safety communication with your fans um, in a pandemic, you know, response uh, type of situation. And so we're seeing schools, you know, from the recommendation of the, the you know, governor's office in you know, Ohio, DeWine is saying that it's recommended that schools use some sort of digital platform for their events to the fall so they know who's attending their games, what their capacity is, things like that. And so we have a lot of tools that we're kind of flipping to, you know, they were available before, but we're flipping to it into a COVID toolkit to make sure that you can, you know, if you have a 3,000 seat stadium, what does 25% look like? You know, does, is it 1,000? You can set that capacity, make sure that everyone knows that it's sold out or how to, how to uh, buy tickets another way. And then the other side of it is, you know, if you need to have someone fill out a survey the day of the event, you know, if someone's bringing cash to your stadium, you have no way to ask them, you know, are, do you have flu-like symptoms or something like that? And so we are um, adding some tools to, you know, if you need to take a survey that day or 
have to communicate that there's a different way to enter the stadium. When you were finding, like you're seeing at the grocery store, uh, you know, you're going down one aisle and then going up the other. Everyone's going the same way. Um, we're looking at schools doing the same thing where you enter gate A, exit great gate B. You know, those kind of communications are hard to make if you're not communicating right on the ticket. And so we can add another PDF to our tickets uh, to, you know, if it's a, a map of the stadium or the new protocols. You, you just think about like when the NFL puts out their plastic bag, clear bag protocols, things like that. They had, you know, 50,000 emails telling you what the rules and regulations are. It's hard to communicate that when you don't have somebody's email address or their cell phone number. And so that's where we're seeing a tremendous response from schools that just want to have something in place, you know, and and have it so that their, their fans are just safer so they can have more events this fall. Even, you know, I don't know what it's going to look like, but because we're not charging them anything, let's get them on the platform. Let's have the opportunity to to sell the tickets online. Use it, don't use it. We're here to help you. We're going to be a consultant for you. We're going to, you know, give you a hand. And, you know, we're just, we're excited to see what kind of events can come back this fall, but, you know, we're, we're ready for whatever's going to happen. So earlier we talked about kind of the growth so far since you joined the company, but that's a lot of growth in a short amount of time. What are the goals for the future for you here in the next, you know, short term, long term? Where do you see hometown going? Short term is get ready for football. You know, we just want sports to come back. We're we're just like everybody else. We live in Columbus, Ohio. Like, uh, you know, high school sports are are what we live by. So, do people like football around here? Yeah, I, I've I've met like I've seen it. I don't know like was walking <laughs> around, but I've talked to a couple people. So. Do you think it's coming back? Do you think it's coming back at the K twelve level and, and across so. the board? Uh, personally, I'm not going to like be a advisor in this, but personally, my thought is it's actually going to be easier for the high school space to come back uh, rather than the professional space because you know you know if Hilliard's going to play Dublin you know all the like you know the contact tracing and things like that and th- those two communities you're comfortable you've you've gone to Dublin for dinner or something like that and so um, it's easier than you know flying across the country having the 49ers play the Browns and so I think that it's actually going to be pretty you know a much much easier for events to come back what it's going to look like, I don't know. We think that it's going to be something like a 25% capacity, you know, stay social distancing, um, you know, no touch scanning. You know, we, our system completely from, from purchase of ticket to your seat, you don't ha- need to exchange anything. Um, and so uh, be having put, putting those safety protocols in place is just important to make sure that your parents can watch your, your kids play. Um, we're also going to see, you know, if the, the schools play, you know, if the, if the kids, uh, you know, have those testing, the kind of the same thing that the professional sports are going through right now, the parents might be able to, to do a streaming, but we're working with a couple of partners to provide streaming, but still buy a ticket. So you can still support your school and see, watch the game, but you can do it from the safety of your own home. So all of those things I think are going to be changing the way that we, we watch sports and, and we, we look at uh, community sports across the board. Hey, everybody. We're going to take a quick break here to talk about one of our sponsors, One Columbus. You know, it really couldn't be cooler to have a sponsor and a partner like One Columbus. They are directly in alignment with everything we stand for and everything we're looking to promote here at Conquering Columbus. I mean, they just want to bring the most competitive companies to the area and make everything about the city and the region just one of the greatest places to live in the United States and in the world for that matter. 
Yeah, they're like the ultimate Columbus hype man. They're trying to bring new businesses here, show them what our strengths are, but also address some of the weaknesses and say, like, this is how we could get better. So for us, we're, we're excited to help promote their goal and help tell the story with them on board. Absolutely. And uh, if you guys want to learn more about One Columbus, check them out at columbusregion.com. That's columbusregion.com. Why, why would an organization not choose hometown, like a, a K-12 school or a D2 or D3 school? And what uh, what differentiation is there against like a Ticketmaster? For us, as you can tell, not very many aren't picking us <laughs> at the moment. <laughs> we're continuing to to grow, you know, at a great rate. We're we're so excited about just the sense of kind of hometown community that we're providing. Our our salespeople are just you know so excited about supporting the the high schools and what they're going to whatever it looks like going into just supporting them, meeting them where they are and, and figuring out a solution for them. Comparable to Ticketmaster, there's kind of comparing apples to oranges. Uh, you know, they're both fruit, but um, they're definitely very different. For us, we don't want to compete against Ticketmaster. You know, they're, they've they've got the, you know, the shot, the the crew stadium, like they, they have that under control. Those big venues, those big, the niche concerts, you know, we don't want to touch any of that. We want to stay in the high school and, and collegiate space. We want to stay with those kind of K-12 community events um, and really kind of make a lasting difference. It's, it's definitely a, a space that is completely underserved. And so, you know, we're not looking to to compete against them. We have a couple of contenders in the space. Um, we, we compete against Eventbrite for a couple of, of reasons. But like I said, our system is very customized to the high school space and the in the D2, D3 space. And we're not trying to make something that you know works really well for something else, work in an industry that just needs so much help right now. So, you know, in my opinion, there's no reason why anybody should go with anybody else. So, but I'm biased, I guess. <laughs> well, uh, Lauren, as we kind of wrap up the show here, got a couple more questions. One of them though, hey, you know, we've got a lot of listeners out there that are early 20s to mid 30s, entrepreneurial minded, young professionals, would you have any advice for them? Right now, I've been thinking about this a lot lately. For me, leaning in to the change that's happening right now is the biggest thing you can do with an entrepreneur. Like, don't be afraid of going for your dreams right now. You know, things are not going to go back to normal it's going to be different. You know, it's going to, whatever the normal is, is going to be, you know, whatever you make it. And so the more you try to push past it, the more you try to have opportunities, you know, there, there's executives and, and mentors that want to have Zooms and, and I'm, you know, I'm available, you know, I'm happy where we have internships as well. The more you can kind of push through that, the more successful you're going to be on the other side of this. 100%. It's great advice. Uh, and Lauren, that kind of brings us to our last question of the show. It's centered around the theme here on Conquering Columbus, and that is live uncomfortably. Uh, so without telling you too much about why we chose that particular phrase, what do you think of when you hear it? How does it apply to your life and career? Um, I love it. Um, I, I think I live that every day also. Um, for me, as a woman executive in a kind of sports man's world, um, I wake up every morning living uncomfortably. So it's kind of where I thrive. Um, and so I think, you know, pushing through, just like I said, you know, pushing through adversity, 
finding those opportunities, taking advantage of things that are in front of you. And that's why I love this town. Um, Columbus is so embracing when it comes to business, when it comes to tech, when it comes to sports. You know, that's what I love about hometown and, and the position that I'm in right now because I'm, I'm seeing support from both sides. You know, I'm seeing support from the Clippers and the Greater Columbus Sports Commission and the, the you know everyone that is in that sports world. But then it's the tech world. There's so many great you know, tech companies here right now. I love living in the middle of it. And, and the, it's an uncomfortable space to be because, you know, my account managers that can talk sports all day long can't talk to my tech people. And so, you know, I have to, you know, remind our, our dev team that's, that there's football on on Sunday. <laughs> and uh, I have to remind my, you know, my account managers that the the technology uh, works and, you know, it's, it's, you know, not scary. And so I think that there's just, you know, living in that, uncomfortableness every day really is kind of that space for success. And that's, you know, that's what I'm excited about. I'm sure that's what you meant by that. Am I right? Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely, Lauren. And thank you so much for joining us and sharing your story here on the show. We really appreciate it. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. I had a great time. Yep. And Conquerors, thanks for tuning in. Hope you guys enjoyed that interview. We'll talk to you next week.